Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Let the countdown continue. We're only 16 days away from the ever-awaited NFL draft, and I, for one, am finding it just a little bit more difficult to sleep each and every night. Thanks for joining us today. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Little Wit. I'm not accompanied by any of my fellow Bears brothers. Right now, Nicholas Moriano is watching a movie. Brandon Hazlett had technical issues, so he's not here. But don't worry, I'm not alone, as we have two special guests, and they are Aaron Lemming from Bear Report and Robert Zaglinski from the Rock River Times, Inside the Pylon, Windy City Gridiron, Pro Football Weekly, and The Athletic. Robert, that's one hell of a resume. Our listeners are probably wondering, how do you do it? But seriously, welcome to the show, man. First time having you on. I'm glad you're here. Great to be on, man. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, long time coming. Should be fun. Uh, bounce all this stuff off of Aaron. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? Exactly. That's what we're here for. And Aaron, you know, for those keeping score at home, this marks your third appearance on the show. At like last time we had you on, I believe it was the bye week of last season. A lot has changed since then, but I want to know, how have you been, man? And is the Cali weather treating you better than it has us here in Chicago? You know, man, I'm doing good. Uh, I, and I know this is going to, you guys are going to look at me like what, but it's, it was 93 degrees today. And for it being the middle of April and how hot it gets, usually gets about 115, 120 here. It's like, I'm just sitting here thinking, it's like, dude, summer's going to suck. So I, I guess I'm glad I'm not snowed in like you guys are over there, but I'm still not enjoying 93 degree weather in the middle of April. It's supposed to be like 70s or 80s right now. So I'm not overly happy. Yeah, you know, too bad Mother Nature can't find a happy medium and kind of split the difference between Chicago and California. But we can't control the weather. Uh, at least that's what they say. But uh, all right, guys, I'm excited for today's show. You know, all offseason, you, our listeners, that you have heard the analysis and opinions of every single move that has transpired since Black Monday. And today's going to be a little bit different. So with Aaron and Robert on, it's all about hearing some different perspectives, some different opinions, which, of course, just makes you that much more informed. So without wasting another moment, let's just go ahead and dive right in. 
Last week, we ran through our top five moves that the Bears have made this offseason so far, and as well as a few underrated ones. So guys, I'm curious about both of your opinions here. Which move do you consider to be the best, and which one do you believe is going to kind of gone underlooked to this point that's going to have a larger impact than most think? And Aaron, I want you to go ahead and kick things off. Okay, well, I think the best move, at least for me, is kind of obvious. I think it's got to be Allen Robinson at this point. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of talked, you know, a little bit in the in the, in the group chat and the different things, and I, I think we all going into free agency, especially that 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 two weeks prior, it's like, uh, you know, you're looking at maybe Jarvis Landry, who's going to be, you know, a trade candidate. And that was it. I don't think anybody expected Robinson or Watkins to hit the market. So I think that was huge to be able to go out and get a number one receiver. There's obviously some injury concerns. Uh, I, I think, you know, with him being so young and with him having a good track record, I don't think that'll be an issue. And in terms of underrated move, I think, you know, you look at it and I, I really think that the most underrated move they've made so far, at least on my mind, has been keeping Kyle Fuller. I think that was another one. I think a lot of people looked at it and they said, OK, well, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, are they going to sign him to a long term deal? Are they going to tag him? Are they going to let him walk? And after the Alshon Jeffrey situation, I think people had a bad taste in their mouth, including myself. And you kind of wondered, this guy's had three so-so years and then one really good year. And you, you look at it and you think, okay, well, what are they going to do? And Pace, I think, played it perfectly. Put the transition tag on him. So, you know, worst case, you're paying him $13 million or just a little bit below. But then the Packers go out and they write a deal for the Bears. Uh, the structure isn't overly favoring for the Bears. Uh, but at the same time, it's something that you have a young ascending player in Kyle Fuller, who was a former uh, first-round first, first round pick. And you have that guy in your back pocket uh, control for at least two years. And, you know, they, they, it's a four-year deal. So if everything works out, then he's going to play on that four-year deal and everything will be good. And if he is bad, then you have two years and you can make a move, whether it be a June 1st cut or whatever. But those those are probably my uh, my moves of the offseason so far. Awesome. Good stuff there, Aaron. And Robert, over to you. Your favorite move that Ryan Pace has made so far this offseason and then an underrated one. I, I know it's been lost in the shuffle recently because he's been – but he's been doing rather – uh, all these media tours across national platforms. Matt Nagy has to be the best move of the offseason. I mean, he's a perfect fit for Trubisky. He seems to be the innovative and energetic leader that this young team needed to finally jump back into re relevancy and contention. Uh, he's the guy that's going to tailor an offense and, and an overall team back into relevancy. And you, you cut your, I think you'll probably see these the dividends pay off immediately. Uh, as far as an underrated move, I really like the Taylor Gabriel signing. In, in many ways, he might have been a better, as a fallback option to Albert Wilson, he might be better as the fallback because he's more explosive. He's another home run threat. Now the Bears have two guys that can take the ball to the house literally anytime they touch the ball to Cohen and Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel is the kind of guy you can design many packages for. And you, you can use him as a receiver on the outside. You can use him in the slot, even though that's sparingly, obviously. And uh, you have a lot of guys that tilt the field effectively offensively, which is something the Bears haven't had recently um, as an explosive offense or lack thereof. Yeah, no, exactly. Good stuff there. And honestly, when you look at all the moves or the vast majority of the moves that Ryan Pace and the Bears have made all offseason long, they all point to one man, and that's Mitch Trubisky. You know, like you said, Aaron, about Allen Robinson, you know, Robert, you brought up Trey, you brought up uh, Taylor Gabriel. There's just been a number of moves that 
have been made to kind of put the kid in a position to succeed. And when you kind of sit back and think about all the possibilities, I think it's easy for many Bears fans, including myself, to kind of get carried away with the potential. And sometimes we need to take a step back, a deep breath, and set some realistic expectations. And I know it's still early in the offseason. Training camp's still three months away, but... I want to know what are some real ex- realistic expectations for Mitch in year two as it stands today? Aaron, go ahead. Well, I think you, you look at it and he's got to take a big step forward. And, you know, some people look at it realistic and they say, you know, if he throws for 3,000 yards and he makes some improvements and that's cool. But uh, my expectations are a little higher. He's the number two overall pick. They traded up to get him. Uh, I don't think they gave up a ton like some people do, but they did trade up to get him. And I think when you look at the situation and what they put him in, okay, you, you take out John Fox. You basically tell every single receiver on the roster that was there last year that was due to be a free agent, we're not bringing you back. They cut Marcus Wheaton. Uh, they turn around. They they make all these signings. Everything, like you just said, has been geared towards Trubisky. Everything has been geared towards Trubisky, whether that be you know, the, the head coaching hire, whether that be the offensive staff hires that they made, the free agent moves that they made. Everything is geared towards him, and, and it's smart on pace because – here's the reality of the situation. Look at a team uh, like the Green Bay Packers, for example. They have not had a very good roster the last few years, but the reason that they continue to be in the playoffs outside of this last year, and we saw it, was because of Aaron Rodgers. If you have a good quarterback, Mm -hmm. you're usually going to be right in the mix of things, even if the rest of your roster isn't very good. So I think when I I look at it and I see what they have around them, obviously some guys are going to need to step up, some guys are going to need to stay healthy. I'm sure we'll hit on the Meredith situation here in a little bit, but as currently constructed – I'm expecting anywhere from about 3,800 uh, to 4,000 yards. I don't think that's very unrealistic. You look at what they have with the tight ends, with the receivers, uh, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, uh, the, the, all the difference in everything that they have, I think, really kind of points to that. I think the, the touchdown-interception ratio has obviously got to come up. I'm, I'm expecting right around 10 to 12 interceptions. I'm expecting over 20 touchdowns. So I think – you know, it's you have to be realistic, but at the same time, I think you've seen the big jump that guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff would make. And I, I think that's something that Trubisky is going to have to do, even if it's to a lesser extent. That's something that he's going to have to do in year two to really put this team on the right track. Yeah, no doubt. And I apologize if you're watching the video and you see me drooling. Just when Aaron mentioned the possibility of 4,000 yards out of Trubisky in year two, I couldn't help myself. But uh, Robert, how about you? What are your realistic expectations for Trubisky? We talk often about that rookie contract window and maximizing Trubisky over the next four years when he's at his cheapest. That's that's obviously if he pans out. And to me, for in that respect, he can't be anything less than a superstar in this time. I mean, he has to take he has to be at least a top ten to twelve quarterback. Now, what that means in twenty eighteen, that's a guy that's throwing four thousand yards, like Aaron just mentioned. That's a guy that's throwing maybe like single-digit interceptions, eight to nine interceptions, 10 to 12 picks, something like that. And that's a guy that's completing 63 64% of his passes while leading an efficient offense, while not having the brunt of the load on him. Uh, again, everything, has, as Aaron perfectly illustrated, is geared towards him taking that next step. It's, it, it'll be disappointing if, he, if he's a failure in any facet. He might have a slow start. He might have occasional jumps. He's still a young quarterback that's that's learning. We get that has to be understood. Um, he's going to have bad games. I mean, every even established quarterbacks are stymied by elite defenses. But he has to be the kind of consistent guy that puts together puts together three to four game stretches where he's just unflappable, where he's leading an offensive machine. Maybe he's not always doing the work, but where he's the star, the key cog, that's like like the maestro, um, and having 
of that kind of year, top 10 to 12 years. I mean, we were talking, we talked top 10 to 12, top 10 to 12 quarterbacks. That's something like Kirk Cousins. That's something like uh, uh, Matthew Stafford. He has to have that kind of level of production and efficiency. Um, and I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if he didn't reach that level at this point based off of how every, how they're structuring everything for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Everything's coming into place, at least on paper, at least behind the scenes, it seems like, for Trubisky. I just want to mention, don't forget about those two backup quarterbacks as well. They're just going to do so much behind the scenes, getting him ready, getting him acclimated in Matt Nagy's system. But guys, another ticket item last week that we kind of discussed, I want to know your thoughts about it. It's that whole Jordan Howard Instagram fiasco, that whole hoopla surrounding uh, the images going away, the images come back. And I'm not here for your opinions on what that means, what it meant. I don't even want to even get into that. That's just, it's still very weird. Confusion's going to persist around it but i want to know like do you guys still believe that a trade still on the table the possibility of it and if so who are maybe some possible like replacements or improvements that ryan pace may consider here and aaron uh, right back to you okay well i i mean honestly i i think it could make sense i i think a, a deal could make sense depending on how neggy feels that he fits in the offense. I think Jordan Howard's a good running back. I think in is a pure runner. I, I really do. I think he's a good running back. But I think the thing that Bears fans continue to overlook, and it's kind of weird to me that they continue to overlook because we've seen some some meltdowns, I guess you could say, in, in key positions is really his pass catching. I mean, he's I'd say he's a so-so blocker, um, whatever, but I'm talking, you know, purely pass catching. And you look and you see what Andy Reid offenses have been about, which is exactly where Nagy's coming from and really what the Kansas City offense was about last year. And you absolutely have to have that running back that's going to be on the field for two or three downs to be able to catch the ball consistently. And that's something that Jordan Howard hasn't done. So I'm going to preface this by saying I think Jordan Howard's a good running back. I, I, I think without a real option, I don't think they should move him. But if they don't see him as a fit, I do think that we could see a running back in the second, maybe a fourth round. This is a really good running back class. And I think that if they're willing or if they're looking to make a move, this is a time to do it. Because you look at Jordan Howard's trade value as a whole, running backs don't have very good trade value. You've got two years left on the deal right now. So if you say, okay, this guy's really not going to fit in the offense. We need to get rid of him. We need to go out. We need to get somebody who actually makes more sense for our offense. Okay, cool. I think that's a, a sizable risk, especially when you're talking about a young quarterback and you need a consistent running game, uh, you know, but running backs aren't as hard to find. So if, if you want to make that move, do it, but you need to make sure you have that in place. But with Jordan Howard's trade value, I think the, the maximum that they're probably going to give for somebody like him as good as he is, is probably a third round pick. So I think the fans also have to keep that in mind when they're looking, he's not going to garner, garner a first round pick or even a second round pick. The, the value of running backs just isn't what it is. And, so fans have to be realistic. If they want him gone, then they have to understand. If they if they want him here, then cool. But you also have to understand the risk behind running an offense with a guy who can't consistently catch the ball. Robert, how about you? Anything uh, different in your opinion there? Or are you kind of thinking along the same lines there? So piggyback off that value, uh, if you if you look at the salaries of the top ten running backs without Le'Veon Bell's uh, franchise tag factored in which is 14 million he'll never get that over a long-term deal no running back will uh and the top 10 paid kickers uh it's about 6.3 million average for running backs and about like 3.9 ish million for, for kickers so the gap between a position that plays maybe 12 to 13 snaps a game as opposed to a position that plays depending on if it's a workhorse or if it's a complimentary guy 30 or 40 snaps a game is it's really not that small. So the NFL tells you how much it values running backs through money. 
And if the Bears don't value Jordan Howard, which, again, to say off of Aaron's point that he doesn't catch the ball well in crucial situations, that's factual. That's not an opinion. That's not opinion based. I've seen him compared to Ezekiel Elliott only having six less receptions. Well, he has 13 drops in comparison to Ezekiel Elliott's one drop. And Elliott's played and I like five or six last games over his first two seasons. So with that kind of running back, he, he's valued even less than other star runners. And Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And you're going to have to pay him in two years. You're probably going to have to work on an extension for him in a year. Uh, his value will never be any higher. And if you look at continually uh, other young running backs, coming out of the fourth and fifth and late rounds. It's really, I think it's often overplayed how special it is to find a diamond in the rough at this position, because what was, what were once fourth and fifth rounders were guys that were getting drafted on early day two, that the, the positions just become so less valued that those, that those talents are being pushed down. It's not really that hard to find guys in the backfield. If the bears wanted to move on from Jordan Howard now, which is if they were going to do it, they should do it now. They should get. They they should be satisfied with a third or fourth rounder. They're probably going to get a fourth rounder, and they could find another guy in a very deep draft class, like Aaron mentioned, and just continually cycle through that position. This is this isn't going to be. This isn't a priority position. This isn't one of the true core tenants of the team. When it, when it, when it, I mean when it comes down to it, if, if we're looking at it from the grand scheme of things, if this is how the Bears really want to build it, the only two truly replaceable guys on the entire roster and the entire organization uh, are are Nagy and Trubisky, the quarterback and head coach. And and, and the running back in in comparison to that is so further down the totem pole that that it's, it's not even fathomable how, why they wouldn't try to trade for me. I know, I know that's a lot, that sounds very outlandish, but um, to me, for a guy that isn't even versatile, that's the way I see it. I would hope that they try to get an early day three pick for him at at this rate. His value will never be higher. Um, He'll be a good running back if they do keep him. Like, uh, again, like Aaron said, he'll, he'll turn out 1300 to 1400 yards, especially with not not facing eight man boxes, every, every single drive, every single play. Um, But, you know, you can find guys like that. He's, he's, he's not that special as, as blasphemous as that might seem. No, no, yeah, yeah I, I, totally I totally get what get you're getting at there. And, uh, no, you know, no, for, for me, me oh, actually, hold on real quick. I'm getting some, okay, it went away. I had some negative audio feedback, but we found it. Awesome, cool. Getting back on track. You know, for me, Jordan Howard, um, I'm an Indiana alum, so I have a little bit more of a tie to him, uh, just watching him go from college to the pros. But in all things, the NFL is a business, and if the Bears end up going a different direction, a better fitness offense, it makes total sense. All right, so up next, we're going to talk about this whole Cameron Meredith situation. How come the Bears haven't matched that offer? They have like one day left. But first, I need to take a quick time out and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. 
Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on their phones, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere in just a few tabs, instantly find some seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to look into some tickets for the Cubs game against the Pirates on Wednesday and Thursday of this week, as the weather is going to be pretty nice. It's going to be in about the mid-60s, sunny. And on top of that, the app is just so easy to use. You can just click on the game you want, scroll through tickets. You can sort them by the best deals you can find. It's just so convenient. I definitely urge you to check it out because SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. The best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty. Well, I'm Will DeWitt, joined by my two special guests today, Aaron Lemming and Robert Zaglinski. And we are here talking some Bears offseason stuff right now. We just talked about, of course, Jordan Howard, the trade stuff. But we're transitioning now over to Cameron Meredith. Uh, last Friday, he signed a two-year, $9.6 million offer sheet from the New Orleans Saints. And at the time of this recording, the Bears have yet to match this offer. It's, it's The clock is now struck, the zero hour. I think the deadline is tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So if you're listening to Wednesday, it's going to be today at 3 p.m. I don't think I'm the only one currently surprised that they haven't made any sort of announcement one way or the other yet. In fact, I'm starting to sweat just a little bit. He's only a 25-year-old receiver, and that's not a ton of money. And we know this kid has solid potential. We've seen it. Just look at 2016 when he had 66 catches for about 888 yards and those four touchdowns playing with three different quarterbacks. But I want to know about you guys. What are you expecting to happen? And if to say they let him go, is that the wrong move here? Because I'm going to resoundingly say yes. That's a terrible move not to match this offer. And Robert, I'm going to let you begin. Yeah, I think, I'll, first of all, to, to set the scenario here, um, I'm not sure why it's so unheard of uh, for the fact that the Bears wanted an extra year of control by putting the original round tender on him. Because if you put that second round tender that a lot of national media perspective has has set up that they, the Bears should have on their 25-year-old number two receiver, uh, they, they likely don't get any offers. And he probably, if, if, we're, if we're by our expectations, has a nice rebound in 2018 and then leaves as an unrestricted free agent, prices himself out as the Bears might still have some salary cap issues. Uh, you get an extra year of control. He plays well for two years. You can maneuver more salary cap things in 2019, and you can keep him longer uh, at a higher, more productive level. Again, as I mentioned in the previous segment on Trubisky's rookie deal, um, I still think the Bears are going to match um, because we haven't heard anything. Just because we haven't heard anything yet doesn't mean um, doesn't mean they're not going to. Uh, this could be them playing uh, with the Saints. Uh, we have to remember that Brian Pace has New Orleans Saints connections. This could be him getting over. Uh, if, if anyone will recall, there was uh, negotiations with Josh Hill a few years ago as a restricted free agent, another former offer sheet that was also taken to the deadline. Um, I'd be surprised, honestly, if, if they let him go because he's such your other If you don't have Meredith, who's also another projection in the offense, you're counting on Allen Robinson coming off of a torn ACL. You're counting on Trey Burton, who's never caught more than 30 plus passes as your number one pass catching tight end. 
Uh, you're you're projecting Taylor Gabriel as a number two, and he's probably best as a third wide receiver. And then there's also the developing Adam Shaheen. That's a lot of projection. Meanwhile, Meredith, in all respects, is probably the most proven guy, even if his best, even even if his lone most productive season was two years ago because of his torn ACL. Uh, it's a, it'd be a huge mistake. Uh, I, it would honestly be a, a, a shocking misstep because. Pace has literally done, in my opinion, everything else perfectly this offseason. This would be a misstep in letting go homegrown talent. Cheap, really, for that matter. For a number two receiver to pay him around $5 million, uh, or maybe an extra $2 million in incentives. Um, I, I don't see Pace making that mistake. I don't see Pace letting Meredith go to his former team in that respect. The, the Bears are in position to keep Meredith and... Um, Again, it's the best. It's the best possible move. Why you saw them maybe match Kyle Fuller early? That could have been a statement to Fuller. Oh, hey, you're our guy. We're not really going to mess around. But they didn't officially file the paperwork to mess with the Packers cap move or the Packers salary cap rather until that Tuesday, I believe. So uh, here, it's it could be just a, this is a number two receiver, more of a complimentary guy, not your number one cornerback. It's a little different. Um, I still wouldn't worry too much about it. I know for the fact of the matter is we're going to go to air and he's going to panic a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think when you look at this, I, I, I just don't, I don't see how you cannot match this deal. I mean, it's just, it, there's, there's just no way there's no explanation. Okay. So just to give you an idea of the last two bears, uh, receivers that they signed as free agents before this year that they paid more than what they would have to match with Meredith. And one of them was Marcus Wheaton. We all know how that worked out. And the other mm. one was Eddie Royal, who couldn't stay healthy. Okay, so you look at that, and obviously volumes aren't all in the vacuum. I get that. But, I mean, I'm just going to name you off some guys here that are making over $5 million a year that I think that Cameron Meredith is either better than or equal to. Uh, one of them is Robert Woods making $8.2 million dollars. Uh, Muhammad's news making 7.5. Uh, you look at some of these other ones, Travis Benjamin's making $7 million this year. Um, let's see, uh, Jermaine Kirsch is, is making five and a half million dollars. Kevin White is making 5.27 off of a rookie deal. Uh, Ryan Grant is making five million dollars a year. Torrey Smith also making five million dollars a year. So, and, and the same thing with John Brown. So, I think when you really look at this. And you say, you know, because there's a lot of people out there, well, you know, the Bears have X amount of money tied up in receivers and they have X amount of money tied up in tight ends. And, OK, I get that. They're, they're already I think they rank fourth with uh, money and receivers this year. And I want to say they're like second or third with tight ends. That's cool. But here's the thing. You look at it and there's two big numbers that really stick out to me. And one of them is a really big one. And that's a quarterback. And right now they rank, I think it's like 26 or 27th with playing, paying quarterbacks between uh, Chase Daniel between Tyler Bray and obviously Trubisky. And then you look at running back and they also rank uh, within the bottom five with that as well. So I think you look at that and you say, okay, you know, the bears have somewhat of an expensive receiving core, expensive tight ends. But when you actually look at the, the, the situation that they have right now, the depth is so much a question. It's unreal. Okay, cool. They have Allen Robinson. They have Taylor Gabriel, Gabriel, at least in my mind. Okay. He was a good signing. I get that. And he's, he's kind of one of those guys that you can move all the way around. But at the same time, Gabriel has never really put up more than, you know, a wide receiver three type production. And now you're expecting Allen Robinson, who's coming off an injury. I understand that Cameron Meredith is coming off of something similar, but you're expecting these two guys to stroll it load to be completely healthy all season. If you let Meredith go and then you look at it and you say, okay, well, Kevin White's our number three right now, or okay, let's bring in a rookie, a fourth round rookie. But what does that really do? So 
I understand that fans are comfortable. They say, okay, we got two new names. We really like them. And I'm excited too. But at the same time, you also cannot forget about the depth. I think the Bears at, at very worst right now need to make a fourth or fifth round pick with receiver if they keep Meredith. If they let Meredith go, if they let him walk on a deal like this, which I think would be idiotic at this point, then you're really looking at receiver and saying, we may have to go receiver second round. And I think when you look at the overall uh, draft needs for them right now, edge rusher and interior line are two big ones. And I think you've got two two picks in the first three rounds of the draft. You got one in the first, you got one in the second, and you've got to find a way probably to get more picks, whatever it may be. But as it stands right now, they've got two big needs and they've got two big picks in the first two rounds. And I don't think it would be wise with all the good that they've done this offseason to turn around and say, okay, you know what, we're going to let Meredith go. And, you know, we're, we're going to take a gamble in the draft because the thing is, is as we saw last year, you're one injury away at receiver from being in a bad position. Again, let's just say Allen Robinson goes down again, you know, have Cameron Meredith. All of a sudden, Taylor Gabriel goes from being your wide receiver number three projected right now to your wide receiver number one. And now you're relying on Kevin White, who has hardly played in any games. And you got Josh Bellamy on the field again or oh, no. you know, a fourth or fifth round rookie. It's just I they've got the money. They have $24 million in cap space. According to the NFL players association. Uh, I think that's with 66 guys on the roster. They can clear another three and a half million with Jarrell Freeman. Once they cut him, which will happen. He's just got to pass a physical. That's going to happen. They've got plenty of money. You look at it next year, Kevin White's going to be off the books. Deion Sens is probably going to be off the books. They have ways that they can maneuver things around. So I understand everybody wants to look at the money, but the Bears are very well set with cap space right now. And at least from my understanding, the whole entire reason why they've kept the cap space they have and not went out and made other secondary moves within the market is because they want to wrap up guys. So I think this would fly in the face of everything that Ryan Pace has said about wanting to keep your own homegrown talent, wanting to, you know, keep young guys, keep productive guys. I understand he's coming off a big injury, but if two different teams, the Ravens and now the Saints, who, he, you know, he took the – he signed the, the offer from, if those two teams – have looked at him and said, we're going to offer you money, then obviously the medicals have got to be pretty decent or they wouldn't be in this position. So I don't think the medicals are going to be an issue. And I, I do think the bears are going to match, but dragging this out as long as it has, it's, it's definitely not something I'm overly comfortable with. And as some people know, it's definitely, uh, you know, my confidence in the move of them matching has, has definitely fallen, but common sense says we're still going to do it. Yep, 19, 18 and a half hours, I think, if my math is correct. I was doing it on the spot. I'm not great oh. at adding math, but uh, what's up, Robert? No, I was laughing. I was just oh, laughing. You're doing okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm making sure. That's okay. You can laugh. That's all right. We're allowed to have some fun on this show. But uh, all right, no, that was good stuff, guys. Like you said, Ryan Pace has done everything right so far this offseason. So this would just be an egregious oversight not to even match this offer for Meredith. So, again, 18 and a half hours, I think, if my math is right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and Honestly, most people actually listening to this podcast probably even know. So they're going to be a little bit ahead of us here. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. But before we do, I want to take a moment to ask you to leave a review or show over on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts because we're only 27 away from giving away that Bears jersey of choice. You give us an hour of your week all offseason long and much more during this season, so the least we can do is return the favor and show you our gratitude. Heck, even Aaron, he's left a review of our show, so why haven't you? And remember, leave your Twitter handle so we know how to contact you if you're selected as the winner, or email us a screenshot of your review. And lastly, if there's absolutely no way for you to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, just head over to our Facebook page and leave your review there. We're going to include everyone who does that, and I think there's over 30, 31 who have done so over there. So yeah, no matter where you can leave a review, just do it, and you'll be included for this giveaway. So go ahead, leave that review. 
All righty, so let's switch our focus towards the draft, which, like I said at the top of the show, is only 16 days away. I know that you two are ready for the draft, as it's typically one of the most fun aspects of the offseason. Teams are currently finalizing their big boards, and I want to know who is on your radar come the draft. So as it stands today, I want you, and if you haven't came out with it publicly yet, I'm putting you on the spot, who are maybe two players you want the Bears to pick in the first round? Either it be trading up, trading down, staying at number eight. Really, the choices are endless, and the floor is yours. Robert, go ahead. Well, the first player I'm pretty sure I've been outspoken about him, and it's not really a secret, is Tremaine Edmonds. I know a lot of people have concerns about him being a raw linebacker. Uh, he's a bit of a bull in the china shop and, and how he operates. He's, uh, he's not polished at all. A lot of um, picking him at number eight overall, picking him in the top ten is a projection because he's such an athletic freak. I mean, he's uh, probably one of the better coverage linebackers I've ever seen. Uh, he, he can stay with running backs. He can stay with tight ends. It's, it's, all, it's all so seamless, and he does it effortlessly. Um, a, a lot of me wanting him for the Bears is just the, the versatility he'll offer. You, you can line him up on the inside. Um, he's, not necess- he's not a full-time edge rusher, and I wouldn't deploy him there right away. But um, depending on how Vic Fangio and company feel about him, you can mold him into that fashion if you wanted to with, with time. Uh, he's, he's certainly, again, 19 years old. He's certainly malleable enough to where you could figure, uh, you can figure out a spot for him to play. I, I've said this. If, if, if a coaching staff can't find a guy with Edmonds, just natural talent, if they can't find a guy like that, a, a place for him to play in their defense, then that's, I mean, the, 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 what's the what's the point of I, I know that's a little hyper hyperbolic, but what's what's the point of having the staff? A staff is supposed to develop players. A staff is supposed to put guys in a position to succeed. Edmonds is the kind of player you find a spot for, um, and, and and effectively picking him kills two birds with one stone. And you you can run so many different packages, defensive packages with them. You can confuse defenses. De- playing defense in the NFL in 2018 is all about matchup issues. It's all about confusing offenses in the pre-snap. That's half the battle because uh, you, you can move guys all over. Uh, Edmonds, to me, it's – I mean, he's – I'll be dis- – I won't be disappointed if they don't select him at number eight because it's obviously not – There's they, they can very obviously pick, like, Quentin Nelson or something. Um, but I would be ecstatic if they took him because of what he offered and, 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 uh, and the potential there. Uh, and then the opposite, I've kind of softened on it. I'm not – I'm not more or less, I'm not enamored with the options that they have at number eight. So that's why I've softened on this. But uh, if Quentin Nelson indeed does fall to number eight, I guess that wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, A lot of the NFL has gravitated towards having dominant interior pass rushers, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Geno Atkins. Taking someone like Nelson is a counter to that. You saw his comments at the combine, how he wanted to break these guys' wills as a 22-year-old rookie. I mean, that's that's a star thing for a guy who hasn't played at a, at a professional level yet. That's a, that's a, that, that's high level confidence. And ju- judging, watching his tape, you, you, you're, you're not going to tell, you're not going to tell him that he can't do it because he's a mauler. He's has some of the best finishing ability I've ever seen from any offensive lineman. Uh, he's an instant plug and play starter. He takes away the bears interior offensive line needs. Maybe depending on Harry, he his college coach at Notre Dame, projects him at tackle. I'm not going to say that for sure, though, but that would that'd be nice because to me, a tackle is still more important for as much as the game is gravitating towards the interior. Um, 
to me, it's going to be Edmonds or Nelson, uh, and I'd be shocked. By, I'd be shocked by anyone else. Although Brian Pace, obviously, as we all know, is is prone to shocking moves in the draft and and, and and taking guys that maybe aren't necessarily the highest on everyone else's board. So Edmonds or Nelson for me. Yeah, no, very true about Ryan Pace. Always seems to have something up his sleeve come draft night. But what about you, Aaron? Who are maybe your top two draft desirables? Well, I'd just like to first welcome Robert to the. Uh... Quentin Nelson train. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just had to give you crap, dude, because I remember I think it was the last time me and you did a podcast together. I think it was right after we had had the Nelson discussion, and and things have obviously changed. I mean, you, you look at I, I think we all assumed that the Bears were going to somehow address the interior line within free agency. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and but I think it's at least in my mind, it was smart that the Bears didn't because you look at some of the prices that some of these guys went for, and it's like, okay, you're talking average to slightly above average offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen like Ryan Jensen or Zach Fulton, who got crazy amount of money, more money than Josh Sitton, you know, annual average value. So it's like, ah, no, thank you. So I, I like the approach. Uh, but you know, obviously my guy's Quentin Nelson. I have I am a big fan. I it took me a little bit because I was right in the same boat as Robert. I don't particularly like the value of a guard at eight, um, and I'm probably you know going to be a little hyperbolic here as well in saying that I think that Quentin Nelson is a generational talent. I, I, I just, man, the guy, and I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but it's really hard to find many flaws within his game. Um, he's just, I mean, really, Robert covered it perfectly. I, it, I think the biggest thing for a lot of people is, is it's a value aspect, and it's more of why would you take an interior lineman within the top 10? But I think when you look at the Bears' options, which is also something that Robert talked about, there's not that many good options right now. I think you're really looking at, because in my mind, just when you throw out positional value, which is you know kind of hard to do in some in some areas, but when you throw out positional value, I think that Quentin Nelson is one of the top three talents in this draft, and I like this quarterback class, and I I, I would have a quarterback within that uh, that top three for sure. But I think really Bradley Chubb, uh, I think Saquon Barkley is right there as well. Quentin Nelson and and Josh Rosen still my guy quarterback. Uh, I, I think you could make an argument for any of those guys being in the top three. And I think after that it, it starts getting a little subjective depending on how you how you value different players. So in my mind, man, if if, if Quentin Nelson drops to eight, I, I think you run up uh, with the card and you hand it in and you you got yourself a uh, you know a, a really good starting guard. And if they want to move him out to tackle, cool. If not, I'm completely fine with that as well. Uh, and I think when you when you look at another pick, and once again, it's it's tough because I do like Tremaine Edmonds as well. Uh, I liked him a lot more in the beginning. I've kind of cooled off a little bit just because I think his instincts are a little suspect. And and part of it is. If this was a different defensive coordinator, if this is like James Betcher or something like that, uh, I may be a little bit more confident because I think that Edmonds is a, a freak athlete that can do a lot of different things. I think he's obviously very raw when you talk about you know wanting to put him on the edge as a pass rusher, but I also do think that he has the ability to do that. He's 19 years old. He's still growing into his body. He's got really good speed, really good size. He's just a freak. But I worry about the creativity of a guy like Vic Fangio. How would Vic Fangio use him? So he would normally be my pick. And I almost kind of you know want to hit myself for saying this because I'm I'm not a not a huge fan, but he just seems like somebody the Bears will go after, and that's gonna be Marcus Davenport. I 
Another edge rusher, I, I personally prefer Harold Landry, but I think that Davenport in so many different ways checks so many boxes for Fangio uh, as far as an edge rusher with the length, the speed, everything about him, uh, and and just just the overall profile of what they're looking for. Like I said, the Bears really have two big needs in my eyes moving into the draft, assuming they match Cameron Meredith, and that's it's going to be an edge rusher, which is their top their top need, and then obviously uh, you know they got to get somebody on the interior line or even maybe a right tackle, but. I really think that that Davenport makes a lot of sense for them uh, if he's still there. I know, you know, the, the value is going to be subjective. There's always been reaches. There's always going to be guys that look like great values at certain positions that end up not playing too well. And I think that Davenport's just one of those guys that you're going to gamble off athletic uh, upside and you're going to gamble off the, the fact that he's a big, strong guy. I think he would be a good complement to Leonard Floyd and the fact that he's a little bit bigger. Uh, he's definitely raw. His pad level is uh, much higher than I'm comfortable with, but I think that you have the right defensive staff to be able to really get him under control and to have him become a good edge rusher. Uh, he, he seems like he's good out in space as well. He definitely played a little bit of outside linebacker in college, uh, you know, and he, so he kind of played that role a little bit. So I'm not overly worried there. And I think the athletic capability kind of kicks in. But I'll be honest, man. I mean, outside of Quentin Nelson, uh, there's nobody that I'm really in love with unless a guy like Chubb falls. Uh, but I think they're just kind of in a position right now where I think the quarterbacks are going to fly off the board before him, which could help him in a certain way as long as the team reaches before them as well. But I think they can also find themselves in a position, let's just say that Chubb, uh, Barkley, and and even Nelson are off the board to where they're going to be faced with uh, taking an inside linebacker like a Roquan Smith, like a Tremaine Edmonds, or they're going to have to reach on an edge rusher, maybe even go after a defensive back, whether that be Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, whether that be Ward, um, even Derwin James at this point. But I think they're bound to be in a very awkward position if a guy like Nelson doesn't fall. So that's why I'm hoping Nelson's a pick. All right, there you go. And you mentioned the Bears' two biggest needs right now, edge rusher and interior of the offensive line. And Aaron, I'm going to go right back to you because you mentioned it. Say the Bears can solve one, but somehow they miss on the other in this draft. Which one is the bigger pressing need? Like, which one must they solve in order to have any chance of a successful year? Ideally both, yes, but it's only one. Edge rusher, without a doubt. I mean, they, they've got to get that figured out. I think Aaron Lynch is a good signing, but you're also talking about somebody who hasn't really produced the last two years. So I think when you look at it, Leonard Floyd, I like Leonard Floyd. Obviously, we know how Robert feels about Leonard Floyd. My son. Uh, <laughs> so, so, but but I think we have to be realistic in, in, in knowing that he's probably not going to be that 15-second year guy, which is fine. He plays a good role, but you also have to have good rotational depth back behind him. And I think Aaron Lynch falls into that, but I think Sam Ocho, is, he's going to project as your special teams, your, your fourth outside linebacker. And I really think they need that either that second or third outside linebacker. Uh, I won't lie, I'm, I'm not overly comfortable with their their interior line situation right now, but at least you have two guys in Jordan Morgan, who's an, an unknown at this point. He's a fifth-round pick from last year, and a guy like Eric Cush, who you can count on to step in and at least start and, and play decently, in my opinion. I am not high on Horanis Grasso at all. I don't want to see him starting on the offensive line ever again. Same. So I'm going to stick with those two guys, but I do think you're in better shape with those two guys versus trotting out, let's just say, uh, you've got Aaron Lynch as your second, you got Sam Ocho as your third, and you've got Howard Jones or Isaiah Irving as your fourth. I mean, you're one injury away. If you're not already in trouble as is, you're one injury away from really being in a lot of trouble. So I think edge rusher is the most important thing that they got to get taken care of, and I think it's going to be addressed very early. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm sorry, Robert, but even Leonard Floyd, he hasn't put together a, a full season yet. So it's yeah, it's it's tough. It really is. 
So, um, all right. So I just want to let fans know who are listening, wondering, hey, hey, Will, who do you like? I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there because next week we're planning on having our mock draft special episode uh, where Brandon, Nick, and myself will go through all of our picks, uh, telling you who we believe the Bears will pick. So you'll get there in a second. And on top of that, I want to put a disclaimer because last year the NFL released the schedule a week before the draft. So if that happens, we're going to do the schedule analysis first, and then we'll go ahead and do the mock draft about three to four days before the draft. So, you know, we'll figure it out. We're going to be flexible here, trying to be as timely as possible for you guys. All right. So I just have a few more topics lined up. Well, I did initially, but uh, Brandon's not here and I'm going to, and we're kind of pressed for time. So I'm going to move right along to our final segment of our show and answer some fan questions because honestly, we had such an overwhelming response rate. I don't know if it's because uh, Robert retweeted it or what, but it worked out pretty well. And I think people want to know what you guys are thinking. So without further ado, uh, let's just go ahead and go through some fan questions. And the first one comes from at Babyfoot Bears over on Twitter. And Robert, I'm going to let you take this one. He wants to know, would you rather see the Bears finish 7-9 and nine with two wins over the Packers or 9-7 and seven with two losses to the Packers? 9-7 and seven without a doubt. I, I think the, the rivalry... I mean, I guess it matters and you want to, you want to beat the Packers at every opportunity. And I, and I know that really matters to some people, but if the bears are nine and seven, that means they're pushing for the playoffs or maybe even making the playoffs and incredibly relevant in December. The, the close, I want the, you want the team as close as possible to the postseason. If that includes two losses to green Bay, so be it. The, the time will come where the bears will probably have to go actually go through a green Bay to maybe even win a championship or to win the division. They're not winning the division next year. I, I, I'll take the team that's closer to the postseason, to a postseason berth and relevancy in January every single time. Uh, the, 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 the Green Bay and the rivalry stuff is just is fun in individual moments. And it only really matters, but it only really matters if they're going head to head in a playoff game in, in an elimination setting. Yeah, no, exactly. That makes sense. Like I said, nine and seven. I want to complain if we saw that come out of the Bears this year, which kind of leads into the next question too. Is from David and Aaron. I'm going to go let you tackle this one. He wants to know, like, what do you think of the Bears' chances of not ending up last in the division? Because it's been too many years to count. I don't even want to put the number out there, or else I might tear up just a little bit. But I mean, I'm not the only one. All Bears fans are tired of seeing their team at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the NFC North. Maybe, uh, man. Maybe this is a Homer answer on my part, but. I I don't expect them to finish in fourth. I I could see them finishing in second at this point in time. I think I think Minnesota is really the the team to beat right now. Obviously, Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, so they're always going to be right there. But man, you look at the roster right now, and you look at the moves that they. I mean, let's just put it this way: look at the moves they haven't made so far. Obviously, we still have the draft, but oh man, that defense is in some trouble. Their corners look bad. Uh, they, I mean, their defense as a whole is somewhat questionable. I get they added Wilkerson, but. And then even at receiver, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, who's kind of stepped up last year, and you've got Randall Cobb that cut Jordy Nelson. I mean, they they have some holes running back, still a question mark at this point. Offensive line is not nearly as stable as it has been in years past. And I think you just look at everything combined there with Green Bay. And to me, they are, they are bound to really start taking a step back. And like I said, Rodgers is still there. Uh, with Detroit, man, it's it's just one of those you don't know what you're going to get year in and year out. I really like the Matt Patricia hire, uh, but I, I do think that when you really match these rosters up, I think especially when the draft is all said and done, this is a little bit of projection on my part, but I I do think that the Bears are going to be in a good position where the teams two through four, especially, I think are grouped much closer together than some people think they are. Um, I think at least third, I, I think the bears like, and I've said this a few times that the bears don't finish at least eight and eight. 
I, I don't think this was a successful season for them. I think a coaching coaching was obviously a big one, but Trubisky's got to take a big step. And if he takes a big step, they're going to be a much better team. They already had a top 10 defense, at least by the numbers. Uh, you know, we can debate that or whatever it may be, but I think this is going to take pressure off the defense, uh, you know, with the offense being better. And I think just the overall product is going to make them a much more dangerous team. I'm not going to say that they're going to jump to 12-4, and 11-5, whatever it may be, but I'm expecting them and probably the Packers to really, uh, you know, kind of race it out for uh, second place. And it wouldn't shock me if the Bears end up in second. Yeah, that would be pretty uh, phenomenal in my book. I would not mind second place uh, whatsoever. It's been, uh, it's been a long time since we've actually been in the upper echelon of uh, the NFC North. But, uh, Aaron, I'm actually going to go to you for the next question as well. And it comes from David, because uh, you mentioned the name that he wants to know about. Uh, Harold Landry, what are your thoughts? It seems like you're pretty high on him. So I want to know, is eight uh, a little bit too high? Or would you take him if, uh, if that's who the Bears have as their top edge rusher? See, I like I like Landry. I think the the big thing for a lot of people right now is you look at 2016 versus 2017, and there is a lot of difference there. And I and I think it depends on who you talk to. Quite frankly, I'm not scared off by him being six two and a half. I think he's his his arm length is right about that threshold. I think he's like one eighth of an inch away. So if it's me personally, and I'm looking at tape. Uh, I see a lot more with Landry than I do a guy like Davenport. Uh, the biggest thing with Landry to me is the motor, and it's so inconsistent. So I think you're going to need the right coaching. I think Vic Fangio is the kind of guy to get it out of him. I think eight is a little questionable there. But once again, we're talking, and let's just say, you know, those those three main guys outside of the quarterbacks are gone. And, you know, let's just say they don't like Edmonds or they don't want to go inside linebacker, period. And you're looking at a pass rusher. If it's me personally – I prefer Landry over Davenport uh, just because I think Landry in my mind's a little safer. I think he's got a little bit, a uh, little bit safer of floor. And I think the ceilings are pretty similar, but I think that his overall speed approach and what he's able to do is good. I know a lot of people are a little concerned that he may not be quite a three down player because he doesn't play the run very well, but there were some concerns about that with Leonard Floyd as well. I think you just have to trust your good defensive coaching staff to really step in and be able to develop these guys into complete players. And if it's me, then I'm taking Landry. All right, there we go. And Robert, over to you. This question comes from Matt. He wants to know, how comfortable would, would you be uh, with the Bears trading up to five to get Bradley Chubb and then taking Billy Price at number 39? Uh, I've been vocal that maybe Bradley Chubb isn't the ideal fit because I don't think he's a good enough athlete to drop back. But then you can kind of factor in that Pernell McPhee wasn't necessarily a great athlete when, uh, when even when he was healthy before his knee injuries derailed him. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's a win. That's a win now move trading up for Bradley Chubb. That's that's getting a pass rusher. That's an immediate impact player that probably gets you close to double digit sacks in his first season. That's the ideal complement based off of the way that the Bears have previously structured their defensive roster under Vic Fangio as coordinator. Um, I mean, you're getting again. You're getting a guy that's the best edge rusher. Admittedly, it is in a weak edge class, but he's the best edge rusher. Uh, and I, I think anytime you can take a healthy Pernell McPhee type, if, if the Bears had had a healthy Pernell McPhee, the defense would have performed much better the last three seasons. If you can get that in Chubb, um, you, you, you run with that. That's a top 10 level player. That's a guy that you would readily take at, at number five uh, and mortgage more of your future as much as many people might not agree with that. Uh, Billy Price depends on how he recovers from, from, from his pectoral injury that he suffered at the Combine. Um, I, by all accounts, it isn't very serious. He's, but he probably won't necessarily be ready for all offseason activities, maybe even miss the start of training camp. Um, but if they can get him on at some point, 
uh, halfway through the season if or if they have to rest him through. That's a, that's a guy that you can stash away and then have a fantastic long-term interior with Cody Whitehair um, and depending on how Kyle recovers for a long time. So uh, that that would be one of those kind of ideal draft scenarios for the Bears because those are you, you have the best guy at his position in Chubb at, at, at the edge and you have Price who – um, is probably the best. Who's probably the best center in this draft? Uh, a, a multi-time All-American uh, and another guy who starts immediately. Uh, the, the Bears should, would, would, should be very happy with that kind of haul. Awesome. All right. So next question comes from Johnny. I'm going to go ahead and let both of you guys attack this one. Uh, he wants to know who are your sleepers in the draft. And Robert, I know you just spoke, but right back to you. Uh, I, I've talked about him often, but it, I, I, st- I still think the Bears need a tackle and a guy to develop uh, to eventually take over for Bobby Massey. One of my favorite sleepers to do that is a guy in Brandon Parker from North Carolina A&T. If some fans aren't familiar, that's the school that's where Reed Cohen came from, another small school, but they're clearly developing NFL-level talent. Parker is a little raw but he has the athletic ability. He has the general technique that you can you can envision him being a starter with a year of se- season as a six foot seven. I think off the top of my head, I remember that a six foot seven, but it's like three hundred and fifteen pounds, three hundred and twenty pounds. This is a guy that can take over for Massey, who was originally supposed to be your stopgap and not supposed to be here for three years. I I think having a guy like Parker in and and, and learning. And, and eventually being that long-term book end on the right side is the ideal. And he's not getting, he's getting a lot of love as a sleeper, but it's still a sleeper. And I would really, I would really love like, like an early day three pick for him to, to take that, take care of that and, uh, and solidify that position at three years after next season. I like it. Actually, I like it a lot. All right, Aaron, how about you? Any sleepers? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, Robert, very good pick. I'm a big fan of Parker as well. I think he's one of those guys, like you said, I, worst case scenario, he, he sits back and he develops for a year, but I think he's somebody that I think he may be a little bit more pro-ready than people think. Um, I'm not going to get quite as in-depth with Robert as Robert did on one guy. I'm just going to kind of throw out a few names and just kind of give some random thoughts. Sure. Uh, my first guy is going to be Chase Edmonds out of uh, Fordham uh, running back. I think that guy, I think he profiles very well, at least as a running back too. Uh, I think he's somebody who could form into a starter depending on what they want to do. Somebody he can find and probably, uh, you know, round five or six. Um, another one is uh, Jack. I can't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but I'm going to give a shot. Sitchi, uh, the the linebacker out of Wisconsin. I think he's somebody who probably profiles more of, of his in an inside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. Um, but he is also somebody who has – um, some pass rushing ability probably can get him in the, I'd say probably the fourth or fifth round, uh, you know, injuries have definitely held him back a little bit. Um, so I, those are two guys right there. And then I think my last guy um, is going to be uh, Darius Fountain out of Northern Iowa. Uh, I mean, just looking at what, what he was able to do is testing numbers of different things. I think that when you look at what the Bears going to do at receiver, assuming that they match Cameron Meredith, obviously this all goes out the window if they don't, but I think that they're going to look for somebody like him or Vincent Smith, uh, who came out of Limestone, who their their receiver coach, uh, Mike Fury, came from. I think you're going to see them go down a road like that, even a Jonah Trinneman, where maybe they're not the most polished guy, but a guy that can sit back in that wide receiver four or five role for the year and really develop and see what they have in the next few years. But I think, uh, you know, especially a guy like a, a guy like Smith or, you know, my, my favorite would be Fountain, is you've got a lot to work with. you got speed, uh, obviously, like I said, raw, so, you know, the – the the route running is obviously going to come with that but i think when you're really looking at 
upside and what you want in a receiver, I think that those guys definitely fit uh, what Nagy's trying to run with the offense. Yeah, awesome. Good stuff there, Aaron. And the final question, it's for Robert, and it comes from Zachary, and he wants to know, since Leonard's your number one son, who are numbers two and three? I could. I was looking for the tweet because I knew this was question was coming, but I was looking for the tweet <laughs> where I had the qualifications of what a, of what a bear needs to be a son, and you have to be on. You have to be twenty five or under when they acquire you. So either through the draft or free agency. So that eliminates guys like Akeem Hicks, who would be an obvious pick otherwise. Um, I don't think I ever officially solidified a number two guy. I, I, the obvious the obvious pick that's young, that's still young, twenty three years old, is Trubisky, but that's that's the guy that everybody picks, right? That's the, that's, that's the quarterback. That's the everyone person, everyone adopts the face of the, the ideal face of the franchise. So I'm going to go with the new obvious pick and Allen Robinson who's 24. I think he's going to have an explosive first year in Chicago health permitted, obviously. Uh, and I think um, this is the kind of guy based off of his personality, based off of how he carries himself, based off of his play as a, as an acrobatic uh, circus catch receiver at times, uh, that a lot of people will gravitate to, that I'll gravitate to especially and promote him a lot. I mean, he's probably, he's definitely the number two. He's definitely the number two right now. Awesome. Yeah, this question puts a smile on my face. Right now, uh, my son, he's uh, four and he has a bunch of action figures and like stuffed bears and every night he'll put them in his bed and he's like, this is my number one son, this is my number two son, and so on and so forth. So that question... I, I do the same thing. I have like Leonard Floyd action figures and I, I bought like <laughs> Robinson action figures. So I do the same thing. It's fine. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, guys, that's really all the time we have for today. So Aaron, Robert, I want to thank you both for taking the time and joining us. You know, it's been a real blast hearing your thoughts on all things Bears, chatting with you guys, catching up. So on behalf of the Bears brothers, as I'm the only one here, and our listeners, I want to say thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Same same thing. It's uh, It's been fun, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Of course. I mean, Aaron, you have to make number four coming up here real soon, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just let me know. Awesome. And if you want to check out their podcast as well, you can find Aaron on the Bear Report podcast and Robert, he co-hosts WCG Radio. So just look both up. You'll find them. You know, you're smart people. You have Google. You got that. And if you're still listening to this point, I have a special announcement for you. I've been wanting to say this the entire show. We're going to have an extra episode this week. I haven't talked about it on Twitter. I haven't published it in our newsletter yet. It's going to, the actual episode is going to publish on Thursday. We're going to record it tomorrow night, but we're going to be joined by another special guest, ESPN's Matt Bowen. He'll be on to preview the Bears and the NFL draft. So needless to say, we're all pretty excited over here. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.